You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve! It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve. With my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner who helps keep the alternative medicine wackos at bay. This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question, you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider. If you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call. 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. If you're listening to us live, the number is 754-227-3647. That's 754-22-PENIS. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine at uh, DRScottWM. Visit our website at WeirdMedicine.com or DrSteve.com for podcast medical news and stuff you can buy. Go to our merchandise store at CafePress.com slash Weird Medicine. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, or whatever. So very good. Don't forget, uh, please, uh, with the uh, holidays coming up, use stuff.drsteve.com for all of your uh, holiday shopping needs. That's stuff.drsteve.com. Don't forget tweakedaudio.com. Offer code FLUID for 33% off the best earbuds on the market for the price and the best customer service anywhere. Don't forget Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net, simplyherbals.net. And, uh, you know, last time I talked to you about uh, canceling your premium subscription, ah, eh, don't do that. <laughs> I changed my mind. I was depressed and I wanted to just shut it all down and I'm better now. So uh, premium.drsteve.com, buck 99 a month. I know. I'm crazy, all right? Just I try not to let you guys see my insanity, but I'm a little crazy. Uh, but for a buck 99 a month, you get uh, all the archives and you can support Weird Medicine. It's pretty easy to do. Um, a lot cooler than Patreon, in my opinion, mainly because you can go get the app at the App Store or at Google Play. And you have access to everything right there. So uh, premium.drsteve.com will get you set up. All right. Very good. Tell your story first. Your uh, your doggy was sick. Yeah, my little pup, Chewy, was sick. She had uh, she woke up about two weeks ago with and couldn't swallow. She had no appetite. And, and I started poking around. She had a big fluid-filled cyst under her under her chin, huh. right on her throat, um, poking around. Submandibular cyst. The submandibular cyst. Right. So... First thing I thought it was maybe a tooth abscess, maybe a salivary stone. Yeah. And I was hoping for not a lymphoma, quite honestly. That was my biggest concern. Yeah. Um, but a couple, you know, trips to the vet and $1,000 later, she ate today for the first time. So it Woo-hoo! wasn't a lymphoma. We don't think so. 
And we did another fine needle biopsy yesterday, and still the pathology has been nonspecific, which normally we think is going to be an infection. And she is responding, thankfully, to some some little amoxicillin shots because she's just a little thing. And uh, I put her on some uh, some dexamethasone to to get some of the swelling out and to increase her energy. And she's doing a little bit better. So she's she's peeing by herself, and yep. she's today she ate for the first time in two weeks. So we're we're pleased. Well, the list of things that a submandibular cyst could be uh, includes, as you said, sialolithiasis, which is Stony. stone in the salivary gland. So sialo pertaining to saliva right. or salivary, and lithiasis uh, pertaining to stone. stone. Mucus uh, retention cysts, like mucus seals. And then uh, epidermal inclusion cysts, which are like uh, sebaceous cysts. Right. But then there are these things like a thyroglossal duct cyst, branchial cleft cyst. These are all congenital things mm-hmm. that could have been there all along and only just now recently filled up with fluid. Which would be my guess because she's as little as she is, she's always had a little bit of trouble breathing. Yeah, yeah, really. It makes sense. Okay. That would yeah. make the most sense. And you wouldn't. You know, you might not notice it because you're not feeling around your dog's submandibular region until there's a problem. I, I, you know, I've had people come in to see me that say, "Hey, doc, you know, I've got this mass in my chest, and you feel, mm-hmm. and it's at the bottom of their sternum." I, I recommend everybody do this right now, man or woman. You can feel it. You feel right on your breastbone in the middle of your, the front of your chest, and work your way all the way down to the bottom. Mm-hmm. You'll feel this knob down there. Mm-hmm. And that is called the xiphoid process. And you can push it in. It's stuck with um, cartilage. That's right. So and it's supposed so it, to wiggle a little bit. Yeah, it wiggles. Yeah. And I've had people come in going, Doc, I've got a, I've got a tumor in my abdomen. And they're all freaked out. They've been worried about it for weeks. They finally got up enough guts to come in and see me. Mm-hmm. And I get to set their mind at ease immediately. That's your xiphoid process. You know what? You've had it your whole life. Right. You just never noticed it before. Mm-hmm. Yep. That shit happens all the time, you know. So yeah, and I think and I, my gut feeling is that that's exactly what happened. I think she's probably had this for a while, and for whatever reason, maybe a little infection that fluid just ballooned up overnight. Yeah. So heck yeah, we're we're um we're much 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 happier. Good mommies and good. daddies today. <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> so thank you. All right. Well, um, I had talked last week about stopping the uh, premium service on our podcast. And um, I, I think I'm changing my mind about that. I've, I'll, I'll explain to everybody. I've been kind of intimating about the end of weird medicine. And it may still happen, but I'm hoping that we can work something out because <clears throat> what was really happening was I was going to change jobs. And my new job didn't appreciate my extracurricular activities. <laughs> I mean, you can go, if you really do a deep search, it doesn't take that much, you can find um, a picture of me, you know, leaning on that prostate prostate exam simulator, mm-hmm. which really just looks like a big rubber um, rectum and with testicles and a penis hanging off of it. Mm-hmm. And I use that to teach um, uh, not only Jim Norton, but Eliza Schlesinger how to uh, do a prostate exam. Right. And it's a real piece of medical equipment. Right. But when you've got – you're sort of leaning 
with your right elbow on the the back of this thing, and the picture just shows this buttocks with rectum and testicles and a penis hanging down, and then you've got this goofy look with a thumbs up. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't look – it looks bad. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Awkward. So, But I've decided I'm not going to be embarrassed of what we do here. I look back – the. The topics that we cover, um, sure, we um, treat them in a lighthearted way, but, you know, it's we're doing serious stuff. Even the vodka tampon, which would be the thing, well, yikes. Mm-hmm. Um, first, we didn't do it without consent, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was for, in the interest of science, in the interest of getting people not to do that, not to do stupid things. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but everything else that we talk about is serious medical stuff, influenza. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, you, often it has to do with the rectum or the bowels or something like that, but the, that's part of the human body. People are interested in that too. Yep. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, you think about how many times we hear questions about erectile dysfunction. Sure. And constipation. Who else is going to answer these questions? Right. I mean, we're, we do it every day, and it helps people a bunch. It tells them which direction to go instead of – you know, not doing anything yep. and letting it get to a terrible place or, or running to the emergency department. The emergency department saying, gosh, you don't need to be here. Right. Don't that's, go to the that's, ER. That's why that. you have an, a family medicine doctor, et cetera. So. We, um, uh, now we're just sort of patting ourselves on the back, but we have saved lives on this show. Very much. We uh, have had every time we do the October. Oh, it's a, it, we missed October. Uh, usually in October we tell everyone how to check their stupid nuts for lumps because we say that at the end of every show. And um, we need to do that today. So please don't let me forget as soon as we're done patting ourselves on the back. But every time we do that, we'll have two or three people email us, hey, I found something. And, yeah, I went to the doctor, and that's what it was. And uh, thank you for uh, making me do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, so, but anyway. And I have been a little depressed about this show in the sense that I've been a little just bummed about it ever since GVAC died. It's not been the same. And um, I, I listened to the shows that he was on when, you know, it was all of us together. And they just seemed a little more lively. But um, that's okay. You, you know, we're getting old and sad and we're going to die soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. So why, why do a fun, uplifting show? So. So I think I'm okay with that, too. But it is – I mean, every time we do this show, I'm looking at him over your right shoulder because uh, we've got a big poster of him up on the wall. I know. So I miss I that son of a bitch. Well, I do, too. Terrible. But anyway. All right. Mm. So there we are. Um, you want to answer some medical questions? Let's do it. Let's do it. Number one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. All right. Well, I won't. Let's see what we got here. <coughs> when I was younger – you eat steak fries. What? You try not to eat them. Hello, is there any related or underlying conditions where possibly old age or GERD regarding when you eat steak fries? This never happened uh, years ago when I was younger. You eat steak fries. You try not to eat them too fast. You're probably not eating them more rapidly than normal and you're hydrated, but you feel like the starch builds up. You feel like almost like there's something in your throat, but it's chewed yeah. up. It's not there. Is there any 
<clears throat> supplements that can help that, or is there any underlying medical thing like GERD or something else or older age? I'm assuming he's talking about what happens to me if I go to a certain very popular chicken place <laughs> and I eat their fries, their big waffle fry things. Mm-hmm. And then if I try to eat something after that, I'll feel like there's they're stuck in my esophagus. And they are. They're actually because we first off, we these things are too damn big. Steak fries are gigantic. Mm-hmm. And then you've got all this starch. It's just starch. It's just a, a poly uh, uh, polymerized sugar. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's mushy. And uh, we eat too fast, and so we swallow it, and then it piles up in the esophagus just before it gets into the stomach. Some of it doesn't get all the way in there, and it will just kind of sit there. Mm -hmm. And uh, the only supplement that's going to get rid of that is to drink water or something something warm afterward to just wash it down into the stomach. Right. Now, um, a million years ago I heard the story of a lady that broke her hip because she had what we would uh, term an esophageal stricture. So this wasn't normal narrowing uh, of the esophagus as it goes into the stomach. She had um, scarring from reflux esophagitis. Barrett's esophagus. Yeah, well, she may have had a Barrett's, but she had scarring, and the scarring uh, caused a narrowing of the esophagus. Right. And uh, so when she would eat, food wouldn't go all the way in. Well, in the beginning, it would pile up in her esophagus. She could jump up and down and get it to go down. Wow. Then she had to get up on one stair. You know, she had steps going up to the second floor. She'd get on one step and jump off of that. And then it got to where she needed to go up two flights of stairs. Oh, gosh. And by the time she got up to four and was jumping, she fell and broke her hip. Oh, bless her. So an esophageal stricture resulted in a woman breaking her hip. Yeah. If you have that, uh, you should get scoped. Sure. Uh, uh, it's a real simple procedure. They give you some goofy juice. They tell you don't eat after midnight. Don't eat or drink after midnight. You go in with an empty stomach. They give you some goofy juice. They say count back from 10. You go 10, and that's it. Good night. And the next thing, right. you go 10, and then, wow, I'm waking up. They, how, they didn't do when, anything. When are they going to do this? Yeah, when are they going to do yeah. it? Yeah. And... Uh, uh, you'll feel fine, but you're not, so you need to get somebody to drive you. But it's as, really is as simple as that. They can look down there, make sure that this narrowing is normal uh, f- for you, and it's not something more serious. So, well, and, and while they're in there, they can do an ass- the, the little stretching. They've got, oh, yeah, you've got, yeah. You, they can do an yeah, ass- if they find, stretching. If they find uh, a narrowing, they can stretch it out. You can right. swallow normally again. Yeah, and typically they'll have to do that if you keep. That up, they'll have to do it regularly, but still, yeah, that beats the heck out of having to jump up and down to get your food to go. Yeah, down. no, it's yeah, horrible. It's yeah, it's tough. So, mm. uh, but it is really common, particularly with steak fries or big right. giant waffle fries from a fast food chain that I won't yeah. m- mention their name, but they know who they are. Right on. They're good, but though. you know, Doctor Steve, I think a lot <laughs> they're good. They're so good. Stuff. But you know, I think a lot of people get that from other things. They're a little bit harder to chew up. Sometimes red meats. Can be can give you sure. the same kind of swallowing issue. So just the well, you tend to is, eat smaller bites of that, right? And then if it gets stuck, you drink something, it goes down. Okay. But when you're eating fries, you're just going gobble, one after gobble, another, right. and, and it just swells up. Yeah, and it just piling up yeah. in there, mm-hmm. and it becomes this big bolus of uh, French fry glob. <laughs> yeah. Just throw some ketchup in there, you'll be fine. <laughs> 
That reminds me, I had a friend, um, and she did a rotation in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And one of the, uh, she was in some village in the Philippines, and a um, uh, at when when she left, they threw a party for her. And what they did was they roasted a pig. And um, one of the delicacies was something called blood sausage. It's a little different than than like Irish blood sausage. So what they did was they fed the pig corn. I don't know if they force fed it like they do for foie gras, right. you know. Sure, but they fed it corn. And then when they, um, you know, killed it, Mm -hmm. they took out its small intestine and it was full of corn. And they tied that off and threw it in the fire. Then that was blood sausage. Oh, my gosh. So it was pig intestine cooked. It was cooked. With sweet corn. With corn, which Mm -hmm. actually sounds like it might not be so bad if it was crispy on the outside and corny on the inside. It might be pretty good. Oh, my word. I have other Filipino (laughs) friends that – Wanted me to try something called balut. Have you ever heard of that? No, I don't think so. Balut is a duck egg that's that's been fertilized, so it's a embryo as opposed to an egg. You know, the yolk really isn't the embryo. People say, "Oh, you're eating baby chickens." Baby chickens, you're not. It, the actual embryo might be one, or you know, egg is one cell mm-hmm. in the middle of that uh, yolk. Or on the surface or somewhere. But the yolk is just there to feed it, mm-hmm, right. to give it energy so it can grow. Because they they don't have a placenta, obviously, because right. the egg is outside the chicken's body. So they got to have something that will Nutrients, um, make it grow. Right, exactly right. So, But this thing is partially formed duck embryo, and you eat them whole. And it's, supposedly it's a delicacy. I've never tried it. Hmm. But anyway. Wow. Yep. Balut. Balut. Kumusta <laughs> ka to all my Tagalog-speaking friends. Mabaho ang kilikilimo. That means you have bad B.O. <laughs> that makes sense. And then malaki susumo. That means you have um, an advantageous TTGR. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I may need to remember that. Then. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Putanginamo. That means you son of a bitch. In Tagalog, so that's your lesson for the day. I got it. Let me teach you another word that's very useful in Hindi, and this is the same in Urdu as well. Bakwas. Bakwas. Can you imagine what bakwas might mean? Just th- think of the sound of it. What bakwaz. it might be. God. Oh, bakwas. Oh, it's bullshit. Oh, bullshit. Yeah. Mm. It's the greatest word. I find myself saying bakwas instead of bullshit. Well, first off, because you don't get in trouble saying sure. that in the middle of the hall. Right. Around the and, um, certain people. It's just such a great word because it's like an onomatopoeia in the sense that it sounds like what it means. Right. You know. Ah, bakwas. Bakwas. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Here we go. Well... What in the hell is going on with this thing today? Barometric pressure change is throwing off. Hey, Dr. Steve. Uh, this is John. Hey, John. I'm from Rhode Island. I've got a um, I got an issue with sweating, hands and armpits. It appears to be seasonal. It appears to be in the fall, the worst, um, to the point where I will soak through, you know, three shirts, uh, the armpits of three shirts, 
And I'm wondering if uh, if this could be caused by caffeine intake before I attempt that and go through the withdrawals. Hmm. I do drink a few cups of coffee a day, so uh, I'm hoping you can help me out. Thanks. Wow, that's an interesting question. Um, he kind of took a left turn there. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Um, was you can out. get coffee sweating. Sure. It's caused from drinking ex- excess caffeine, mm-hmm. but he's not. He, and he's probably drinking the same amount. He says it only happens in the fall. Seasonal, right. That was a big clue right there. And uh, uh, But I bet he's drinking the same amount of cof- coffee the sure. rest of the year, so one that doesn't thing. make sense. One one thing, yeah. So I don't think that's it. He just has garden variety hyperhidrosis. Right. He but, just but seasonal, though. That's the interesting part, you know. Well, I or, do notice that for whatever reason that I seem to sweat more in the when it turns cold mm-hmm. in my armpits and stuff. And I think it's just because I'm wearing heavier more clothes. clothes. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Too. yeah. I don't know about the hand thing, but uh, the the treatment is pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to stuff.drsteve.com mm-hmm. and scroll down. And there is a um, iontophoresis mm-hmm. machine that you can actually that actually works. Uh, we vetted everything that's on there, and um, it, um, for whatever reason, passing a very mild current through the hands will stop them from sweating. Now, uh, it's harder to do that in the armpits. Mm-hmm. It's unco- they you can do it. They make pads to do that with, but it's um, it's a less stingy. convenient. A little stingy. And uh, so I would just use Maxim. You can buy Maxim uh, deodorant also through stuff.drsteve.com. Maxim deodorant is – and by the way, before anybody at SiriusXM freaks out, it's just a a page that's got a link to it to to get this stuff. We're we're not selling anything. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, uh, You can um, uh, get this Maxim. It's prescription strength deodorant, but now it's over the counter. And you can use that on your armpits and then use the iontophoresis for the hands. Now, they do make medications for this. There's one called glycopyrrolate. Glycopyrrolate is a uh, peripherally acting anticholinergic medication. Ooh. Bingo. <laughs> That's half the lipitol. Yeah. So let's talk about that. What it means is it, it doesn't get into the central nervous system, which is good. Mm-hmm. And it's anticholinergic, like Benadryl. Benadryl causes dry mouth and um, and other, you know, sleepiness and stuff. But that's the central effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, this glycopyrrolate um, uh, causes all the peripheral effects, the ones that don't get into the central nervous system. So it doesn't make you sleepy, but it will dry up your sweat and maybe give you some dry mouth. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you can get that. Uh, from your primary care physician or a dermatologist. They also sell other things like, uh, uh, oh, what is the stuff? Is it Tamsulosin? Is that right? It's Hytrin, whatever the generic for Hytrin is. And uh, Terazosin. Terazosin, yeah. Tamsulosin is prostate. Yeah, that's right, right, right. Yeah. Um, Terazosin. And uh, it uh, also will reduce this to a certain extent. works for some people. Mm. The really severe... uh, cases of hyperhidrosis where people are just dripping sweat yeah. off their hands sometimes they'll do a uh, sympathectomy on them and what, what that is where they go in and cut the sympathetic nerves to the hand but i tell you do that as a last resort only right. if nothing else works because a lot of times when you do that the for whatever reason you start sweating somewhere else right. it's almost like the body needs needs it right finds another exit yeah yeah 
So you got anything from the traditional Chinese we do, you standpoint know, for this? There are a couple old Chinese herbal formulas, and we, we would say it's an excess of, of heat. Okay. And so we would get, and, and that's what it is. We'd give you something to cool everything off to try to turn down the, um, the, um, the thermostat a little bit, if you will. And yeah. the other thing is too, you know, we we would look at it as if it is in fact seasonal, if it is related to maybe um, changes in work environment. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he's in a much drier environment because they turned the heat on or something yeah. or whatever. Right, right, so right. We, Who we knows? Go through that stuff, but but yeah, there certainly are. If 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 some of the Western medications don't work, certainly there are some old Chinese herbal formulas that can be beneficial. What about sticking needles in? Does it do anything for sweating? Not, not a whole lot. No, we'll, we'll when use, you put that current through it. We'll, though, but you I was, was going to say, I'm but just we, thinking it's sort of like iontophoresis. But we will do that with the stem, yeah, with the tens unit, yeah, and um, actually put it under the axilla, you know, in the yeah. armpits, and we'll put it in the palms. Um, you know, it's funny. In, in that Chinese, makes sense that that would work. Yeah. And Chinese put medicine, current through it. Yeah, we run it. We call it, it's called the uh, five heart en deficiency and that's what it is it's a hyperhidrosis it's just translated into that hmm. yeah so we i would put and instead of using traditional needles i'd use probably one of my pads but use still right. use a use a frequency unit or a tens unit or something yeah some that yeah. makes sense so we treat it yeah no i think the hyperhidrosis well, is a single like direct current but i'm not sure how mm-hmm. i I'm actually yeah. not sure how that works I think it is too because it drives, you know, the, the hyper. The, it um, goes in one direction, yeah, it so it should be direct current, direct penetrating. And and you know, a lot of times they will, they will, especially in physical therapy offices, they'll put a little bit of steroid on it and drive the steroid in there too. Yeah, I I know they do that for injuries. I don't know if no. they do that for sweating, but not all the time. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah. If you do it at home, you don't. Of course, yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Lots so of options. Check that out. Yeah. All right. Hey, that's Steve. Is there a syndrome where someone could have their testosterone could be too low to where natural supplements do not work? Yeah, natural supplements don't work. Mm-hmm. Period. So yes, every yes, absolutely every syndrome where you have low testosterone, natural supplements don't work. Uh, for PD or to raise the supplement, I know you talked about uh, some good supplements. Now, when I say natural supplements. I'm talking about quote-unquote natural supplements, meaning things that are sold in, say, you know, a health food store or something to boost testosterone. I have yet to see a single one of those that's got any data that's worth anything to bring uh, your testosterone back to normal. The only thing I've seen, you know, double-blind placebo-controlled study quality data on for low testosterone is testosterone. Yes, the actual medicine. Um, you know, uh, and what you're trying to do is bring a, a low hormone back up to normal. And uh, there's you can argue about what the best way to do that is. You know, we had a doctor on our podcast that said uh, you need to have that swing. So they advocated uh, shots. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that because you don't really get a swing in, you know, physiologically. It's pretty constant level. I mean, it varies up and down, but there's no huge swing. It's a diurnal swing, but it's not massive. It's a small, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and you get a diurnal, meaning daily, Mm -hmm. swing uh, through um, uh, putting the gel on every morning because you get a peak in the morning and then you get a trough in the evening. Mm -hmm. So, so, but, you know – People of good intent can argue that particular point, Mm -hmm. but that really is the best. um 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Odd treatment. Okay. Yeah, if you Here think, she is. What, oh, a, what, oh. a, what a surprise. Hold on. Tacey, you're on Weird Medicine. Steve? Yes. I'm picking Liam up. Okay, thank you. You're good. Um... Did you get my message? No. No, we're... I thought we could do because Jill's coming. Ooh, now that sounds good. That sounds good. We can just order Grubhub. Yeah, let's do it. And have it at the house when she gets there, because she's only going to be able to be there from like 645 to 8. You got it. Let's do it. So, okay. Okay. Well, I'll be home when after I pick him up, okay? Okay, sounds good. Okay, hey, I, I was, I was going to make it. <laughs> so, we're she, doing a grocery. How many years? Ten years. Ten years and counting, and, and she still has not. It's amazing. We're even recording at a weird time, and she calls in. That yep. what that really says is not so much that that she knows when we're recording because she doesn't. No, she just calls me that many times a day. Yep. And when you I'm not to, complaining. No, oh no, no, no complaints. It's just, it's just hilarious. It's hilarious. And then when, when we try to tell her something, it goes in one end out the other. Oh yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> hey, but real quickly though, and going back to the low testosterone thing, um, uh, different, different, different things work for different people. Certainly, uh, you know, I tried the gels and did not work at all. Yeah. Um, I try the shots and the shots work extremely well. Really. Um, the other thing, you know, pellets. Sometimes people will go to um, certain um, doctors and they'll actually do little pellets if you don't like the shots and you don't like yeah, the cream. that's called so Testapel like, and they uh, have to calculate a dose and they insert these under the skin and then they last many months. Yeah, three to four months, sure. Is so it only three to four? Three to four months, okay. yeah. I mean, no, that's some of the pellets, but I'm sure there are some last longer. But, okay. you know, I think there's a lot of great options. So, and, I'm, and I'm with you, Dr. Steve. I've never seen a great p- pure testosterone booster that is completely natural. Now, there may be one out there, and we just haven't heard of it. But you were I'd, right, I'd have, three to four months, sometimes up to six months. Oh, so. yeah. But I'd have to see. I'd have to see some some significant data. You know. Yeah, I mean, DHEA t- has been has been um, uh, posited as something because it's a precursor of testosterone. Right. You have plenty of that floating around, though. And the issue with DHEA is it's also a pre- precursor to estrogen. Right. So you can and you can take this stuff and uh, it it could be converted to estrogen and make you less manly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can happen if you overdose on testosterone as well. Mm-hmm. That excess testosterone can be converted to to estrogen and you can get you know man boobs and stuff like that. Which you do so see a lot in that. Please do this under yes physician uh, care. Physicians uh, care. I've seen bodybuilders that came in to uh, their healthcare provider. I'm with a testosterone of zero. Yep. 
uh, because they just killed the the system for making testosterone. So yeah. um, please uh, uh, do this under a physician's uh, uh, auspices and do it based on a medical problem. I'm not a fan of uh, – Juicing, and I will tell you this: it, it, <clears throat> I'll get bodybuilders who cuss me for that. But I'm just—I'm not a fan. Yeah. What can I say? Yeah. You know, it's but done well. It's a life changer. Absolutely, yeah, it's a life changer. Absolutely, I'm on it. You're on yeah, it. Yeah, I'm on. Heck yeah, makes who else difference. was on it in here? Was Gvac on it? No, there, I, I, maybe PA. No, it was PA John. I think maybe John was. I know at one time there one, was. Oh, and no, uh, no, double no, vasectomy and, feces. Right, and I want to say I want to say the shyster. Oh yeah. There was one time when almost all, all of us, us yeah. were on testosterone supplements. Yeah, I think the shyster was And it wasn't because of me. No. Nope. Right. No. No, no. Hey, Dr. Steve. Uh, this is Robert in Birmingham. I was just listening to the one uh, where you were talking about uh, uh, starvation. So that on average, it took five to seven days, meaning half it took more, half it took less. Well, technically, that would be median, right? Uh, not mean. Just uh, yeah, and, checker. Yes, very Just, good. Uh, Thank you. Wondering which it actually was. Thanks. Give yourself a bill. Give yourself a bill. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh oh. 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 Okay. So he's right. In the, but in the special case where it's a perfect bell curve, the mean and the median will be exactly the same. So let's talk about that. So let's say we have a, a set of numbers, um, 11, 23, 30, 47, 56. I'm getting this from vocabulary.com because I don't want to have to do the math in my head. <laughs> uh, the mean would be the arithmetic mean. Now, what that is is you add up all the numbers and then you divide them by the, num- by the total number of numbers. So we've got uh, five numbers. So uh, you add them all up. It's 167 divided by five is 33. Now, the median would be the middle point of the number set where half of the numbers are above the median and half are below. So in this case, the median would be 30 because uh, that's the midpoint of 11, 23, 30, 47, 56. Okay? So now, if you had a set that was 1, 2, 98, 99, 100, 98 would be the median, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, because it's in it, half the numbers are below and half are above. Yeah. Um, the mean would be something different. Um, well, let's see. Um, hey Alexa, what is one plus two plus ninety eight plus ninety nine plus a hundred? No clue if she knows how to do that. Oh, uh oh, she's not working. Alexa, say that again. The answer to your calculation is 300. Okay. So 300 divided by 5 would be 60, right? Right? Right. Yeah. So yep. the mean and the median in that case would be vastly different. Uh, so now if you have a perfect bell curve, you could have um, the median and the mean be exactly the same number. But that's mm-hmm. a special case. Mm-hmm. So he's right to point that out. I use that as shorthand. I'm always in my head seeing a bell curve. And so when I say the mean uh, or, the, you know, the um, uh, when I say the mean, that means roughly half of people will live long. Like if the mean uh, uh, survival is 14 weeks uh, for something, you'd think a half of people live 
longer than 14 weeks, half live less than 14 weeks. That's just shorthand. That is assuming a perfect bell curve, which, of course, they usually aren't. So, Right. Okay. All right. Hey, Dr. Steve. My name is Alex, calling from Pittsburgh. Hey, Alex. Uh, and I have a question more or less uh, I'm asking on behalf of my girlfriend. We're both in our late 20s, uh, and I have a question about NSAIDs. Uh, so I recently saw that the FDA strengthened their warnings for things like Advil, yep. um, that there is a greater increased risk of heart attack and stroke, Yep. but I'm not sure how this affects her uh, being that we're younger and we're not already at, you know, we're not already at risk. Uh, so during her period, she will take uh, the max dosage for the first two days. So day one, she'll take four in the morning, and then two that evening. And day two, she'll take another four in the morning, and then two that evening. Uh, and then day three, and she's uh, tapered off, maybe one that third day. But I'm not sure what risk she's putting herself under, uh, being that we are young uh, and healthy people. Does, does this warning only apply to the folks that are already at a, at a risk for yeah, that's a, heart God, disease? That's or is such a great question. That taking consistently month over month can accumulate over the years and impact her down the road. Beautiful question. Well said. We could answer. We could do one. We could do an entire show answering. The that levels, is true. The levels mm-hmm. of this question. Yeah. But I, I love how he he asked the question: Is it just for people who are already at risk? Right. And the answer to that is not really. Not really, no, it's not. Um, the, these non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs are very important medications. Mm-hmm. They're widely used. They mm-hmm. treat things like arthritis um, and other painful conditions. And and it's not and a yeah fever and stuff, stuff like that. Yeah. Cardiovascular events are. It's not a new phenomenon. We know about that. We've known about it since two thousand six particularly with uh, the COX-2 inhibitors, which were things like Celecoxib or Celebrex. But uh, since then, they've done uh, some important studies that look at the risk of thrombotic cardiovascular events like heart attack in association with non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Mm -hmm. And these drugs would include things like ibuprofen, naproxen, Aspirin, although we use aspirin, is a special case because we use it to prevent heart attack and stroke. Mm-hmm. It really isn't included in this. Um, but it's very difficult, hard on the stomach, so yes. we don't advocate using a whole lot of aspirin for stuff. So these two studies, these big studies, um, looked at um, the risk of non-steroidals with cardiovascular events, and this is what they found. Uh, very small increase, very small increase in the risk of cardiovascular events that apply to all users of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, not only those with baseline cardiovascular risk factors. So that answers that one question. Um, it, you, you don't have to have a previous risk factor. Now, would I would love to see them drill down to see if those people had a larger risk than people that had no mm-hmm. Because that makes sense. Sure. Uh, They found that there was a very small increase in the risk of cardiovascular events after relatively short-term NSAID use. And that increases with the increasing duration of use. Mm -hmm. And it was associated with very specific non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Mm -hmm. 
Um, hey, I gotta get this. Oh. No, I don't. Um. <clears throat> Uh, where was I? After, uh, in association with the following specific non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Number one, celecoxib or Celebrex at any dose. Mm-hmm. Number two, high-dose diclofenac. Mm-hmm. Who's on the, you know anybody on that? Yes. I, I know a few people. Yes, I do. <laughs> and it would be greater than 150 milligrams per day. Or high-dose ibuprofen at greater than 1,200 milligrams to, per day. So that'd be. Right uh, on the cusp of what she's taking her first period day. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because she was she's taking twelve hundred the first the first day she's having her, her menstrual cramps. Right. So they identified she's, it as being greater than twelve hundred. Right. So, so um, uh, and that's so when you take ibuprofen over the counter, they recommend that you take two tablets. They're um, usually two hundred milligrams. A piece. They're two hundred milligrams a piece. That'd right. be four hundred. So you could do that four uh, uh, three times. Right. And then you're in that area. Right. Uh, no detectable effect on cardiovascular risk was demonstrated for uh, naproxen at any dose. Wow. So I'm switching over to damn naproxen. Thank I'll tell you, you that. I've always yeah. uh, taken ibuprofen, mm-hmm. and it works well for me. You know, if I get, feel achy from a fever or something like that, yeah. um, I'll take some ibuprofen. But I'm going to switch over to naproxen. Yep. So. And I, and I will say this, the, the sustained usage of those when you're not under a you know, proper health care can really be a dangerous thing. Yeah. Yeah, one of my friends, <clears throat> she wasn't an, under good care, and she had a heart attack when she was 35 years old from taking too much of the uh, of these NSAIDs. She had a history of rheumatoid arthritis, was diagnosed in her early 20s, and because of the particular health care system she was under, she was stuck self-medicating. And um, after years of taking greater than 1,200 of ibuprofen every single day or whatever it was she was taking. I don't, I don't want to throw ibuprofen on the bus, but she did. She, in fact, had a heart attack. And then three years later, had a second one. So now she has a pacemaker. Wow. And she's in her mid-40s. She's doing okay now, but it's certainly wonderful medications when used appropriately. Um, and, um, you know, just because she is younger does not necessarily mean your wife is, is, is you know, doesn't have any – because the risk factors don't really have a whole lot to do with that. Yeah. I I calculated the number needed to harm from their data. Mm. It was 333. So that means you'd have to – 333 people would have to take a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medicine to show one One extra adverse effect. Yeah. So – all right. Yeah. So she's probably pretty good. And give her, buy, hey, buy her a water bottle put on her tummy. (laughs) (laughs) That might help. All right. Just be aware of the risk. It's all about right. mitigating risk, and that's what everything is about in this world. Yep. People who don't smoke still sometimes get lung cancer. Right. Right. Uh, people who smoke three packs a day sometimes don't get lung cancer. Yep. Uh, but the people who don't smoke or have reduced risk mm. of getting it overall, and the people who do smoke have vastly increased risk. Mm. So, And you never know. Which one, which group you're going to be in until it happens. Right. So it's just like, you know, if you're on the roulette table, which is the really, other than the wheel of fortune, that's the worst bet in the house. Mm -hmm. I used to teach casino gambling. (laughs) So uh, the VIG is around, you know, it's somewhat north of 5% against you. Mm -hmm. 
But you'll have people saying, well, I'm on a streak. I'm on a streak. You cannot ever say that and be correct. (laughs) You were on a streak. That's true. There are streaks. But you can't ever say that you're on one because then that implies that you can predict what's going to happen next, and you can't. It's just a chance. But every once in a while you get that probability wave, you could win ten times in a row. Mm -hmm. And you'll say, oh, I'm on a streak. Well, you're wrong. Mm. And that you will make dumb mistakes if you think you are on a streak. And it's the same thing with uh, people who are smoking cigarettes and going, well, I hadn't gotten sick yet. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same as somebody jumping out of a window. And then, you know, for the first 99 floors, they're going so far, so good, so far, so good. I think I'm flying. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. All right. Hey, Dr. Steve, I need you to text me or call me back as soon as you can, please, if you can get this message. Um, I'm on my way home from work to the hospital. I got a call from my wife. Our uh, 12-month-old son, I guess, took a fall off the bed, and uh, he started bleeding from the nose and throwing up. And uh, uh, they're at the hospital now. Uh, they haven't been there long enough to figure out what's going on. But as- Okay. This voicemail is like four months old. I'm just going to say this is why you don't leave a voicemail if you got an emergency because i won't we won't get it for the longest time um if you have an emergency call your doctor call 911 don't call weird medicine but um this is a a possible possibly a sign of a concussion he may have hit his head got some vomiting afterward always a good idea if you've got any kind of neurologic event uh, with a with a uh, sequelae like that, like uh, double vision, um, nausea and vomiting, lethargy, anything like that, just go get seen. There's no harm in doing that and may be a real benefit. Uh, the blood coming out of the nose may mean that he took a pretty good whack. Now, he could be bleeding so profusely that he's vomiting because the blood causes... Running down his stomach. Yeah, yeah, it causes irritation in the yeah. stomach. And those people will sometimes vomit, too. Um, or he could have hyperventilated because he was crying so much and now he's vomiting. We, how, we don't know. Get him checked out. You did the right thing. Sounds like they're on the right you path. You did the right thing and he yeah. called us on the way. He didn't delay anything. Right. So, all right. Hope hope he's doing better. Yeah, me too. All right. Hey, um, I'm a 47 year old uh, diabetic truck driver and I'm getting my ass back into shape. Excellent. So, you know, uh, cardio, throwing some weights around, bicycle riding. My question to you is, will that help uh, boost, like, the uh, testosterone? Second, uh, being diabetic, is there anything I can do, like, exercise-wise, to stop this whole, what you call the uh, uh, retro uh, ejaculation? And three, um, uh, doing uh, sit-ups or uh, crunches, Every time I put any kind of pressure, you know, into my, uh, you know, uh, abdomen, I have this lump that pops up, um, like a bump that comes up right in the middle of my stomach. And my question is, one. What is it? Uh, well, I'm he has questions with some questions. <laughs> we got layers. Uh, you know, have I been working out a muscle way too often? And you have the muscle. And two, plenty of, um, possibly, you know, while doing crunches, can I possibly, you know, hold that down with my hand and get it to stop popping up to where I can work around it to... 
Yeah. Okay. So um, let's go backward to four. You, you wrote those down, right? Because I've already forgotten what the first two questions were. The first one was the uh, diabetes. Well, but I mean, you wrote them the down, tr- right? Testosterone. Okay. Okay. So. The last thing is he's got a ventral diastasis, and what a ventral diastasis is is a separation of the muscles of the abdomen. You know, they come together and knit together, mm. but it's it's just knitted together with a piece of connective tissue. And as you, if you get really fat, sometimes that um, that tissue will separate, and you'll get sort of blooping up of. Um, of abdominal contents into that. And it's usually, these things are really broad based. Mm. So people will go, oh, I've got a hernia. That's not necessarily, it, sometimes it's, it's not really, def- it, it is by the broadest definition a hernia mm. in that something is passing through something that it's not supposed to pass through. Mm. Uh, but it really is uh, something a little different than that, and it's a lot harder to deal with. And most of the time, the surgeons, I believe, say leave those alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might Google ventral diastasis and uh, see if they've got any uh, uh, surgical stuff for that. Yeah, I will. And uh, the other Only question the was the retrograde ejaculation caused by um, his uh, diabetes, and sadly... Um, once that has set in, it's hard for it to uh, r- return to normal again. What's going on there is he's had diabetes for so long and so severe that it's affected the nerves going to the um, uh, the sphincter that is supposed to reroute semen out of and, you know increase the pressure uh, so that uh, semen will pass out of the end of the penis instead of passing into the bladder. And uh, there's a sort of an area where these things can mix, and uh, if you don't shut that back valve down, it the uh, uh, semen will f- follow the path of least resistance into the bladder. We diagnose this by having someone ejaculate, and then we have them pee into a cup. And if nothing comes out of their penis when they ejaculate, but there's tons of sperm cells in the um, uh, urinalysis, then that makes the diagnosis of retrograde ejaculation. Now, um, he um, uh, certainly getting better glucose control and keeping it that way. Maybe over time there could be some healing of this, but uh, a lot of times that's that's a done deal. But it's still worth doing because um, uh, getting excellent blood sugar control will prolong your life. And uh, I suspect that if you're having retrograde ejaculation, you may have erectile dysfunction as well. And uh, standard medications for that should work, like um, uh, Cialis or Viagra or Levitra. So it's basically, after he gets his testosterone back up, yeah, and, and okay, and, and that's diabetes the, and diabetes down. And then know. what was his first question? Well, was about testosterone? Well, it was, and it was the diabetes and the testosterone. And okay, if he works out, losing weight, and yes, that yeah, should improve, yeah. but right. uh, he needs to have it tested after that just to make sure that he's at the normal level and if he's not at a normal uh, level he'll need some uh, testosterone replacement therapy and uh, that um, certainly would uh, be beneficial to him on all of those grounds including the working out and losing weight part mm-hmm. did you find anything on ventral diastasis yeah bottom line is in one of, uh, one of the PubMedic articles was comparing a surgical intervention versus physical therapy yep. type stuff and they're, they're about the same the side effects from the surgery can be pretty sure. severe, and because it's not, it's a it's a it's a pretty big surgery. Um, and what they're suggesting is try physical therapy. Someone that has some um, experience on how to um, help you work your 
the rectus muscle and without making a bulge worse. And certainly if it were to... Um, oh, you're looking at the article that's the general surgeon's perspective of rectus diastasis. Is that the one? No, the one I Because it says the same thing. Yeah, no, but this is, it was similar, but this okay. is all PubMed. This one, well, this is PubMed. Oh, yeah, yeah, general, well. general, yeah general, general, general um, surgeon's perspective on It's the, the same article. Yeah, yeah Okay, yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. looking at that yeah. as well. Okay. So the bottom line is, yeah, if it's, if you can, if you can deal with it, that's a good thing. Yeah, they can yeah. do surgery. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you're interested in pursuing that, certainly see your primary care. Let them get you evaluated. There are, you know, we haven't seen it. I don't mm-hmm. know how big it is, how extensive it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's narrow based and you've got um, um, uh, bowel contents coming out, then that's a true that's hernia. A major. That's issue, a big. Right? That's a big difference. Right. So that's got to be fixed. Yep. So. All right. What else? Let's see. What what, what can we do in one minute? Dance? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I probably not. Hi, Dr. Steve. So I have a question um, this is about vivid hey, yeah. dreams. Um, so I've been studying, like, really, really, really hard for, like, the past 10, 12 months um, for some really important examinations. And um, during this period of time, um, I've been just having these really hyper-crazy vivid dreams. Okay. We're we're out of time. Uh, That happens when your mind is occupied and you've been hyper-focused and then uh, you start having... You don't. You have weird disruptions of your sleep architecture, and you'll have these weird dreams. And a lot of times, they're related to what you're dealing with. And uh, when when your exams are over, and you start to relax, take a vacation, all that stuff should go away. Anyway, all, all right. All right. Thanks. Always go to Doctor Scott, and we can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, Eric Nagel, Roland Campos, Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone. Ron Bennington and Fez Watley, whose support of this show has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel. SiriusXM, channel 103, Saturdays at 8 or 9 p.m. Eastern. I'm not sure which. Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. And go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine.